Well, it's great to see you this morning. It's great to see you this morning. Are you excited for this new year? You know, you think of this year, you think of, um, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of big into something, it, something new. It kind of feels like, even though it was just a turn of the calendar, it may, it's even a turn of a new day, a new week, but there's just something to be said about you're jumping into something fresh and exciting. And I'm just, I'm just really, really excited for what God has for us. So I do want to say Happy New Year's to you. Hey, if you had challenges in 2021, aren't you thankful that God was with you through all the challenges? Aren't you thankful for the faithfulness of God? If you had victories, the Bible says in James 1.17 that every good thing that happens in our life ultimately comes from God above. So be it a great year, you had challenges, all of it. How many people know God's hand is with us? He provides for us. He cares for us. He sustains us. He is a good, good God, and we have so much to be thankful for today. So I'm grateful that you're here. So how many people, you, you kind of love, you're a New Year's person. Is there any New Year's resolution people here? You, you have your list. You've already checked it twice. Maybe you have already broken your New Year's resolutions. Is there anybody? Just show, raise a hand. I'm just kind of curious. Is there anybody that you're big into New Year's resolutions? Really, we're not a big New Year's resolution crowd, are we? Okay, well... I'm going to just pack this sermon away, and um, let's go home. And everybody's like, amen, that sounds great. That was my New Year's resolution, okay? But anyway, actually, what I want to do this year is, or to begin, we're going to have a little fun today. Next week, we're going to get kind of really deep for two weeks. We're going to talk about emotional health, and I'm going to get a lot of help from um, some outside resources in preparation. We've already begun the preparation process but I just want to challenge you, maybe it'd be a great time to invite somebody, you know, it's going through a dark season, but just kind of taking a very, um, maybe a 35,000 foot view of mental health. We're not going to answer everyone, every, every question, but we're going to kind of really help you, I believe, in some very, what we could call practical ways to help you through some dark seasons of your life, because people go through those seasons, and we know that they're real, and we know that God is there to help us. So we're going to address those things in the next couple of weeks. But today what I want to do is I thought, okay, here we go, a new beginning, love new beginnings, excited. And what I want to do today is I want to sh- um, just share what I'm calling Focus 2022. Focus 2022. And what that's all about is I just really felt like in the last few months, God has been kind of laying some themes on my heart. And I'm not the type of person that I say I heard God's voice, like I heard an audible voice. But usually when God speaks to me, it's like a reoccurring message in my heart. Like, yeah, keep getting this message in my heart. And just time after time, and I think that's God confirming what he wants to do. And there's three areas that um, are going to be our primary focus. There's things that we're going to continually focus on, men's ministry, women's ministry, missions. Of course, those things aren't going away. Very important. But today I want to talk about three biggies, okay? Three biggies. So let's just pray right now and just ask God's blessing. Father, we just pray for this message, just pray for this new year ahead, pray that you would be with us, and Lord, we just pray, God, that our faith would grow at Journey Church. I pray that we would have greater faith, that regardless of where our faith is beginning right now, that I pray that throughout this year that it will be faith that is growing and growing and growing. And God, we just thank you for what you want to do in this place, in our lives, is even greater than what we want to do. And God, I just pray that we will keep pace with you. 
I pray that we won't be people that will run ahead and say, God, do what we want you to do. But God, we will be people who will stay in pace with what you want to do. We won't run ahead. We won't lag behind. But God, give us the endurance. Give us the sight. Give us the courage to stay with you. And we just thank you for your greatness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So three things I want us to focus on this year. And number one, this um, thing I want to share about is this, um, this, this focus of small groups, small groups. So this has been a reoccurring theme in my heart this year, small groups, small groups. And you could be here today and you could say, well, isn't Sunday morning enough? I could respect that question. There had been seasons in my life where the answer would have been yes. Sunday morning is enough. So we could ask that question, is Sunday morning enough? But I really believe if we want to go to that next level as an individual, as a person, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but small groups is a very important part of our spiritual journey as we become more like Jesus. And there's several reasons why small groups are very, very important But there's one in particular that I want to focus on this morning, and that is that if we're going to be a church that's serious about our vision and not just talk about it, but see our vision carried out, the best place for that to happen is going to be in small groups. So you say, Mike, what is our vision? Let me just um, refresh your memory real quick. Our vision, first of all, is we want people to know Jesus personally. We want people to be growing. I want you to be growing in your relationship with Jesus. I want to be growing. I want you to be growing. None of us are done. God has so much more for us. And then we want to make sure that people are cared for in the context of this church. And then number three is we want everybody to have an opportunity. We want people to make a difference for God, for God. So here's my thought that I want to share with you this morning. I don't want you to miss this. Be careful to listen to the verbiage very carefully. And that is if we're going to fulfill our vision as a church, the best place for this to happen is going to be in circles. Everybody just say that word together, circles. The best place for it to happen is going to be in circle rather than in rows, rather than in rows. So let me explain myself because some of you are like, okay, what does this mean? Circles, rows, what in the world is he talking about? So listen carefully to me, okay? So when I say rows, rows, what I'm referring to is I'm referring to a typical Sunday morning in church across America. Across America today, there are people flowing into churches, flowing into churches of all sizes, small, medium, and large. And basically, those people are coming in, and what they're doing is they're sitting in rows. And these setting people are sitting in rows, and what we're doing when we do that is we're facing the front. Right now, I'm the only one facing the opposite direction. Does that make sense? But everybody else is facing the front, and typically what's happening is one person, one person is doing a majority of the talking, of the communicating. So in large part, other than the worship, which should be all of us engaged, in large part what happens now is it's just one-sided, one-sided. I'm, I'm doing my best to share from God's Word each week. I'm communicating. You're sitting there looking at me. You're basically quiet, and I appreciate your quietness, okay? And um, you're really not interacting with anybody, but you're just listening, which is great. I also believe the Holy Spirit's at work week after week. But that's what I mean by rows. It's basically you're coming, 
You're sitting yourself down, you're looking forward, and you're just basically listening to someone give a, a sermon, a talk, and that's kind of where that ends, okay? But when I say circles, that's rows, but when I say circles, what I'm referring to is I'm referring to small groups. And in small groups is where we have a setting. And listen carefully, that setting can be in a home where there's a nice wooded fireplace. Oh man, doesn't that sound good? That setting could be where you have a cup of hot chocolate, a cup of coffee. You can have a slice of pie. You could just be in a great, great setting. You could be in a home. A small group could be, and I love what Heather and um, um, Olivia have come up with, and that is to go to Caribou. You could have a small group in circles at Caribou. It could be a restaurant. But basically, the thought of circles is small groups. And this is where people are sitting, and we're no longer in rows looking up front, but now we're in circles, and what we're doing is we're looking at each other. How many people are nervous when I say that? We're looking at each other. We're looking at each other face-to-face, and in circles, what's happening, it's just not one person, it's everyone in that circle participating. I want everyone to get that. We're participating. Everyone in the circle is sharing. And actually, it could be very possible that we're hearing the voice of God through someone else in the circle. That can possibly happen. In that circle, people are encouraging one another. They're building each other up. In that circle, we find people, they're praying together. They're doing life together. They're growing together. They're caring for one another. So with this in mind, let me ask three quick questions. In which of these settings, circle or rose, do we have a better opportunity to grow in our relationship? In circle and rose, what do we have a better opportunity in caring for each other? I want to suggest it's going to happen in circles. Circle and rose, are we going to discover our gifts? And I want to let you know, I think the answer to all three of these is that we have a better chance of these things happening, not in rows. And by the way, I want to let you know I'm not opposed to rows. I'm glad you're here this morning. Bravo. Rows are super important. There's value in what we're doing here. But if we want to take it to the next level, if we want to go the next step in our spiritual journey of becoming more like Jesus, what it's going to take, it's going to take you sitting across from somebody in a community, in a small group. Look at Jesus. He's the model of this. He didn't come to the crowds to change the world. He went to the 12 disciples. He spent, he was looking eye to eye in circles. And here's what I want to see happen in that journey, church, as we move forward in 2020. And that is, I want to see us move from rows. And I think rows, I hope rows grow this year. I hope our rows are full. I love rows. I love corporate worship together. But I want to let you know, I love what someone wrote down. They said, the truth is, Small groups are really where church happens. It's where we bear one another's burdens. It's where we confess our sins to one another. Not for forgiveness. We confess to God to forgiveness. We confess for, to one another for freedom. So what we've done at Journey Church, if Vicki would come right now, we have a strategy that we've put together that where we want to see how these rows are going to look, Okay. So Vicky, why don't you just come on up here and share with us the strategy of our strategy. Let me see if I got a slide for that. Our small group strategy. Okay, well, first off, 
I just want to say that um, Sid and I have always been involved in small groups. Wherever we have gone to church, we have been a part of small groups. And it started when we were newlyweds, way back when, to like almost 40 years later. Let's go. (laughs) We have been in small groups. And small groups have always been a place for us to make friends. It's been a place for us to get connected to the church and to each other. And it's been a place for us to grow spiritually. And so the strategy at Journey Church for our small groups is we're going to take three semesters on, followed by a month off. And we are going to meet every other Sunday or every other week to discuss the Sunday sermon. And the good thing with us is we have it online. So if you're out of town that week, you can still see it and get caught up and be ready to discuss with your small group. Next week, we are going to hand out some survey cards, and um, we're going to do it for four weeks, give out the cards, and we are just trying to gauge the interest in um, small groups, and um, we just are wanting to see who's, who's really wanting to get connected, and where are you at, what are your expectations, and I also just want to say this is going to be fun. I don't want you to sign up for it or feel like, oh my gosh, I got to do this because this is what everybody's doing. I want you to do it um, because it's something you feel like God has put on your heart. So no pressure, but we'll be doing that for the next couple weeks. So here's my thought. My thought is I'm not um, concerned about who or who doesn't join. I just want to say we want to make this available. I'm not going to twist anybody's arms. Those days are over. I just don't have that ability. Here's what we want to do. We want to present an opportunity. Here's what happens. I have people come to me and say, we need to do this. And I'm just like, okay, well, we're going to, God's laying that on my heart to do also. I, I tell you what, I'm going to be very transparent. If we had one or two small groups that really begin to thrive this year, one or two, I would be totally tickled, thrilled, excited. If I could get 20 people that say, you know what, I'm ready to go on this journey, two groups, if it's two groups of six, I, just, I think it's time that we start to put into place what we feel like needs to happen here. Because this is where, real, this is where most of the substance of church happens is in these groups where people are getting to know one another. And I tell you what, Nolan was just home for Christmas and we had the conversation about small groups. And he said, Dad, he asked this question, Dad, have you ever been in a good small group? And I had to be honest and say No. Here I have been serving Christ since I've been in fifth grade, never have been in a good small group. And I've always kind of envied and desired to be in a group where people are really in community, where people are really doing life together, where people are truly caring, like our vision says, caring for one another. And that's what we want to desire. If you have that in your heart that you want to be a part, we want to say, come, we'll make that opportunity available to you. We'll help you out. And we'll be involved with that. Heather and I are excited about being a couple of the leaders in, 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 this, in this venture as we move forward. So we're super excited. But please, 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 please don't feel obligated. Please don't feel obligated. If you're in a season, maybe you're in a season where you got 15 kids at home. That's probably not your time, okay? 15 kids at home, oh my goodness. But anyway, you know what I mean. There's seasons of life where this is going to work out better. And if you're in that season where you just crave and say, you know what, I want people, I want people to care with me. 
I want people to grow with me. I want people to pray with me. I want to I wanna get transparent. I'm done being superficial. I'm done just coming and sitting in rows. I want to come and I want to get in a circle and I want to look people eye to eye. That's what we're after. And Lord, we just pray for this right now on this second day of January. We just lay this at your feet, Lord. It says in Psalms, commit whatever you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. And Lord, we just commit this to you, Lord. Lord, we just pray that your good, acceptable, and perfect will be done. We pray for those people who are, who are, who are thirsty for these things. We pray that we'll provide them with an opportunity for that thirst to be met. And Lord, we just commit this to you. And we just pray, God, that you would blow us away. We pray that you would do wonderful things. You would do wonderful things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said... Amen. So that's the first um, focus that we want to get into this year. Second focus is this, kids, kids. It's hard to believe I'm saying this. My kids are gone. They're grown up. They're out of the house. But something has happened in my heart in the last couple months where God is saying, Mike, you need to get back to focusing on kids, 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 kids. And why are kids so important at Journey Church? Because we believe this. And it was a book that I read years ago when my kids were young. It was called Kids Are Wet Cement, meaning kids are very impressionable, very impressionable. Us as parents have an amazing responsibility. Us as a church has an amazing responsibility to impress these kids. And one of the areas where kids are so impressionable towards is this biggest issue called salvation, salvation. So what I want to do is I want to share some statistics with you about salvation and kids. You may have heard these statistics before, but I just want to bring them to our attention again individually and as a church. The first statistic is this, the probability of accepting Jesus is highest among children under the age of 14. The probability of accepting Jesus as their savior is highest among children under the age of 14. That is a mind-boggling statistic. That's a statistic that needs to get our attention. The statistic shows that if a person has not accepted Jesus as their Savior before the age of 14, the likelihood they ever will decreases significantly. In fact, the years prior to age 12 are the prime years for reaching a person for making a commitment to Christ. By the way, if you're here today and say, oh no, I'm over 14 and I haven't given my life to Jesus, how many people know that God can do all things? Amen? How many people are thankful for the apostle Paul gave his life to Christ when probably in his late 20s? There's hope. But what we're saying is there's this golden opportunity for us when it comes to kids. Let's look at one more statistics. statistic. 64%. That is two out of three Christians accepted Jesus as their Savior before their 18th birthday. So let's just take a survey in here this morning. For those who have taken that step of faith, I'm just curious, how many people can say, yes, that statistic's true? I gave my life to Christ before age 18. Well, see, the proof is in the pudding here, okay? I know for me, if I look back in my life, it was fifth grade. Man, fifth grade, Baptist church, preacher, preacher, salvation, the little Mike starts to cry, believe it or not, and he runs, I'm serious, runs to the altar, gives his life to Christ. 
That was fifth grade. So for me, that statistic would certainly hold true. There's a great verse. We've read this verse many times in our families. Proverbs 22.6 says, start children off on the way they should go. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Folks, I want to let you know that's a promise of Scripture. That's a promise of Scripture. And I want to let you know that even though your kid might, right now might be in the far right lane kind of straying away, I believe if we started them off in the right way, they will come back. Just spent time with our oldest son this week, and I love, I love, I love, I'm so honored, so excited for what God's doing in our oldest son's life. And when we were in the vehicle, just he and I, he just started sharing his heart. He started confessing sins, and I was like, oh my goodness. And he started sharing about, Dad, you didn't know this, but when I was in my senior year in high school, and when I was a freshman and sophomore in college, I kind of left, I kind of strayed away. And then he started to share about something happened in his junior year. And you know what it was? His junior year, he's sitting in a college at DePaul University. He's sitting at a table in a cafeteria, and some young man who was super bold came and asked my son out of the blue, will you come to Bible study? And that one little thing triggered his life, and then it started to grow again, and he's coming back, and he's serving God. And I'll tell you what, one of the biggest things is now he's in St. Louis, where somebody invited him to a specific church, and God is doing amazing things. Folks, I want to encourage you today. Maybe you said, we started with our kids like this. You know what? Keep praying. Keep believing. Amen? So I want to let you know, additional studies support that children are most impacted by family members. Children are most impacted by their family members. You know, we have a great youth pastor here. We have a great youth worker here. Her name is Ashton. Shout out to Ashton. Yeah, let's go. But I, okay, but here's the deal. I want to let you know, Dad, Mom, you're the greatest youth pastor. You're the greatest children's minister. You are the one who has the most influence over your kids. You know what? We, all, we want to throw them to the church. Church, you take care of them. But God's saying, hey, I'm calling you to be the steward we are stewards. These aren't our kids. These are God's kids that he has said, I'm going to put them in your care. And I tell you what, kids matter. And that, that growth is going to happen. We're going to impact them as families. But churches also play a big part in impacting kids. Churches have a huge part to play outside of the parents being number one. Churches have a golden opportunity. And knowing this, we as a church Make sure, we need to make sure we're valuing our children, not only in our speech, not only in our sermon, but we want to make sure that we're valuing our children through our actions. Through our actions, we're valuing kids. And that's why we are so thankful for Jordan, who's up here today. Jordan, thank you. Ashton, thank you. We are so thankful for these people that are helping us to raise, you know, make an impact on our kids. And not only that, every time you give in the offering... Every time we encourage you to give, tithing, giving, it's not only so we can sit with lights on in a warm building, which we're thankful for, 
But more importantly, so that we can support these ministries where we can touch kids, make a difference in the life of kids, okay? And by the way, I want to take this opportunity right now to give a shout out. Two weeks ago, we took an offering here at Journey Church, and it was basically geared towards the next generation and making sure that they had the right facilities and everything in place that would go to the next generation. In previous years, we took this offering, and it was usually about two or $3,000. I want to report to you as of right now, that offering was above $9,000. $9,000. And here's what I want to say, by the way, that you can still give, because I have a goal of 10. Okay, we're going 10. So it's not too late to give. Say, hey, I gave once already. I can make a little, maybe 50 more dollars. I just want to encourage you. Can we go for 10? How about over here? Can we go for 10? Okay, don't be saying amen unless you're ready to give. But anyway, but that's very important. In our strategy for kids, our strategy for kids is simple. It's simple. We have our next-gen ministries Wednesday nights at 6, and that, that reaches kids fourth grade through 12th grade with our children's and our youth. And I want to let you know, by the way, there's a blue card in the back every week that you can use as an invite card. Maybe there's kids in your neighborhood. Somebody did this a couple weeks ago, and it worked. There was some lady that comes with her grandson, and she told her neighbor about how much her grandson loves our Wednesday night program. And now, as a result, her, her son and her daughter come, and they love it, they love it, they love it. I want to let you know, invite people to kids' ministry because we believe in kids, and we're going to have to take some bigger risks. By the way, another step in that is Sunday mornings, we minister to kids K through 5th. So how many people know that Journey Church needs to be big about kids? I'm not sure we're convinced yet. How many people know that Journey Church, we got to value kids? We got to value kids. Kids, kids, kids are so so important. Just sat down with somebody who goes to one of our biggest churches in Hudson the other day, sat down, and they said, our biggest strategy, our biggest, our biggest concern right now is we're not reaching kids well. Journey Church, we want to be about reaching kids because as it's been said in the past, every church is just one generation away from ex- extinction. I read of a church in the paper this week They're celebrating on Christmas Eve. It was their 123rd birthday, and it was also their final day. They were going to close their church. Why? Because they weren't able to reach the next generation. Folks, we got to reach the next generation. Amen. Last one. We're going to, what was number one? Everybody say it together. Number one was? Okay, Dan and Heather, thank you. Everybody else. What was number one? No pressure. What was number two? Kids. Number three. Everybody say this one like you love it. Prayer. By the way, if you want to empty out a church, just say these words. We're going to have a prayer meeting. Boom! It's like, okay, I'm out of here. Okay. Prayer. I want to talk about prayer for a minute. First, I want to begin by mentioning there's two types of prayer. First type of prayer is individual prayer. That's your private prayer. That's the prayer that we should be having Actually, the Bible says we should be praying without ceasing. It should be a part of, like, our breathing. We're praying when we're in the vehicle. We're praying. Yeah, we're praying. It was funny. I was in the restaurant at, at, I was at Family Fresh the other day in the bathroom. And I'm trying to do this thing. It's called practicing God's presence. 
So I'm in there. Nobody else is in there. So I'm, so I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Lord's Prayer right now in the bathroom at Family Fresh. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy. I get to the end, and thy kingdom come, thy, and the door opens. I was like, oh, no. Amen. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. But anyway, there's private prayer, individual prayer, but there's also corporate prayer. I call that prayer on steroids. I call that prayer when we come together, prayer when we agree together because there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. So that's the type of prayer. So why do we pray? Let's just look at some common reasons given to us in Scripture. First of all, God has commanded us to pray. And I believe if God's commanded us to do something, it'd probably be wise for us to what? Do it, okay? Here's another one. Prayer is how we communicate with God. We have this great ability, privilege to communicate with the God who created the heavens and the earth, okay? And communication is us talking, but it's also us practicing silence, practicing listening. How many people know there's things that God wants to say to you? He certainly does. Here's another thing. Prayer draws people closer to God. See, prayer is, it's not just about asking for things. It's when you pray, you're building a relationship just by being with God. It draws us closer to God. Let's go a couple more real quick. Jesus, I mean, come on now. If Jesus prayed, I mean, think about it. Somebody who was fully God and fully man saw the need to go out into the wilderness to pray. Jesus felt the need to pray. I'm pretty sure Mike Bechtel probably has a big need to pray. How many people would agree with that? We need to pray. You guys are looking at me like, oh, this guy's lost. Yeah, I am. I need Jesus, okay? Here's another way. In prayer is a means of getting God's will done at Journey Church. It's a means of getting God's will done at Journey Church and in our world. God works through the prayers of us, or his people. It's a mean of, we say, God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. And I want to let you know what God wants to do in this place. If we could just see, if we could just see, can you hear me this morning? If we could just see and behold what God wants to do, I think we would just be amazed, okay? Then here's the third um, the fourth one, or the final one, it says, prayer does wonderful things. Look at this verse from James 5, 16. Let's all read it together, everybody together. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Let's say it one more time with excitement. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. How many people know that God wants to do wonderful things in Journey Church? I believe God wants to see people get saved, delivered, set free, healed here at Journey Church. But I tell you what, I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, we got to work as though it all depends upon us, but we got to pray like it all depends upon God. I love that. I love that. I love you. That's a great statement. One last thought by Mark Batterson. He says, prayer is the difference between the best that we can do and the best that God can do. And I don't know about you, I don't want to settle for the best that I can do. I don't want to settle for the best that I can do. I want to walk in and experience the best that God can do. And I want to encourage you with, in that, with that in your life. Don't settle for the best that you can do. Bring God into your life. Pray. Seek after him. Ask listen, practice solitude, practice times of quietness, practice those things. God wants to do amazing things in you. 
So we have our prayer strategy. And I'm going to have Vicki come back real quick, and she's going to share with us the prayer strategy of Journey Church. Thank you, Vicki. Well, this week we are taking um, the week to have a time to just focus in prayer. And at the end of the service, I'll have a prayer guide that will each day give a theme for the prayer for the day. And then it'll list several Bible verses. And then there'll be some bullet points, some specifics as to how we can pray for that day. Um, By doing a prayer guide, we can bring focus and direction to our prayers. We'll all be praying the same thing on each day. So that will be good. We'll be united in heart and uh, listening for the voice of God. During this week, we are going to have the church open um, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then we are also going to have two corporate times to pray this week. On Tuesday at 6.30 here in the Sanctuary, we're going to have a corporate prayer time. And then also on Friday at 6 p.m., we're going to pray and then have supper together. And so I'll be at the back door at the end of the service just to hand out the prayer guides, but they start today, this Sunday. All right. I love how brief she is. I wish I could just be brief. It's just not in me, okay? Yeah, thanks, Nick. I appreciate that. So here we go. Focus of 2020. Number one. Okay. We're going to take the survey for four weeks. You want to be in? You want to be out? Cool. Number two is? Well, I'm not going to only talk about it. We're going to give. What's that? We're going to give. We're going to give. We're going to volunteer. We're going to be Every, all hands on deck. And number three, we're going to... This is the biggie by far, the biggie. This is, this, is the, this is the rocket fuel for everything else we do is prayer. And I just want to challenge you, pick up the prayer guide, pray at home, pray in the car on the way to work, come in the park, parking lot, come in the church, pray. Come Tuesday night, clear out your calendar. Tuesday night, 6.30. Friday, 6 o'clock. I just want to encourage us. We're not going to go further than our prayer. It's just not going to happen. So let's do this. Can we all stand to our feet this morning? Let's just bow our heads this morning. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, beyond all that we can imagine, think, dream, ask, according to the power that worketh in us. Lord, we stand on that promise that you want to do more above and beyond what we can even dream, think, imagine here at Journey Church. Father, I pray that you'd be at work in the lives of your people here. God, I pray that there'd be a spiritual awakening in the lives of your people God, I pray that you would call us to the new things that you want to do in our lives. Lord, I pray that you take our small, weak faith and you turn it into strong faith. You turn it into faith to believe that, God, what you want to do here is immeasurably more. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd stir this church up 
Stir this church up. Stir us up as individuals, as families, as a corporate body. May we not grow into a place of con- where we're just content with what we have and what we do every week. But Lord, may there be a stirring up where we become hungry, where we become thirsty to see a true move of God in this place, to see you do works in individual lives and in marriages and in families in our city. And Lord, we just pray, God, we just, we just want to pray together as we begin this week of prayer. God, that you do amazing things. Lord, we, we learned over Christmas that your name is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful meaning things that only you can do. Things that are beyond our human capabilities. Things that are out of this world. And Father, we pray for wonderful to happen here at Journey Church. God, we pray that you would do things that only you can do by your power. That are bigger than us. And Lord, we just pray that you would be at work in Jesus' name. Thank <laughs> you.